If you want something badly enough, then you just do it. Those who sit and wish for things accomplish nothing. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks, and I'm your host, Ramia Amadin. Talking about the quote of the week to kick things off, this one is from the book The Ninja by Eric Van Lesbader. We're going to get into the book itself later on with Amir, our contributor for today. But I think of this quote less about the hard work that we put in, and because you know immediately my head went to, oh, the grind. Okay, I understand that. But no, it actually isn't about that for me. Um, and it's more about the decision around taking the actions. That actually is the difficult part, right? Deciding that you're going to do something and then actually doing something about it. And the decision-making based on where you are, your emotional headspace or that feeling of stuck, rock bottom, um, whatever it is that really got you there. And where are we going to go if we don't know where we're going anyways? And then I think, okay, but how about the opposite, right? We have to give fair space to the other side, which is, Going with the flow, sitting around and waiting for things. Is that really sitting around and waiting for things or is it patience and waiting for the right time or the right space to be in to then make the decision you need to do to get to that action point? All right, that's it. That's all I got for you. Let's go to the CELA homepage and take a look at the Three featured titles on the homepage. CELALibrary.ca is where you go for the Center for Equitable Library Access and their gigantic catalog of books. Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers by Jesse Q. Sutanto is the Mysteries and Crime Stories chapter that's up there. We also have The Climate Book by Greta Thunberg. And this is, of course, about the environment. And the last featured title on the homepage is The White Lady by Jacqueline Winspire. And this is a historical fiction. I think we're going to get into a little bit of historical fiction with Amir later on. But before we get to all that, let's get to some book news with Nisreen Abdel-Majid. Hey, Nis. Hey. I got a fun story for us today on the 50th anniversary of hip-hop Audible announced a new slate of Audible originals for music lovers. That's my kind of era. Mm -hmm. So this will start in June, according to a good e-reader. The content includes a combination of podcasts and audiobooks focusing on more than 100 women who played important roles in hip-hop. All this will become available in Audible's dedicated section called 50 and Forever. They posted an overview of the upcoming hip-hop Audible original set to debut this summer. So on June 15, we have Snoop Dogg from the streets to the suites. The legendary rapper will take you on a heartfelt and inspirational ride with many songs such as Nothing But A G Thing, Drop It Like It's Hot, you know, all the OGs. <laughs> um, another original debuting on June 15 is the epic story behind hip-hop's most iconic photograph, we have July 7th, Yassine Bey podcast, A Dynamic Career in Communications. This podcast, Yassine Bey, will take you on a journey of Brooklyn original origins, faith, and spirituality. On June, on July 13th, Gangsta Grills. If you are a hip-hop fan, then DJ Drama's Gangsta Grills podcast will be a must-listen podcast for you. 
On uh, August, we have Lil Kim, Brooklyn-born Grammy Award winner and iconic female rapper Lil Kim. She's been a foundational figure in the evolution of hip-hop for over 20 years. Therefore, you won't want to miss this legendary addition. On August 10th, audiobook of 100-plus women. In America, they shifted culture by igniting provocative discussions about identity and Black femininity. This story will entirely cover hip-hop from a women's perspective. Another one that's also debuting on August 10th is Can You Dig It? It will take you on the journey of the historic Ho Avenue Gang Peace Treaty of 1971 in the South Bronx. And they've listed so many. I can go on and on, mm. um, but I, I have to stop myself here. But yes, they did post this overview of the upcoming Hip Hop Audible Originals that is set to debut this summer. So go check it out on Good E-Reader and go check it out on Audible. Wicked, wicked stuff. Audible is really expanding exactly uh, how much they can put out there in terms of audiobook support. And now we're getting into music, which is lovely. Going to check in with Amir Khan, so stick around because he's got three books and some very candid reviews for us. You're tuned into AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. And speaking of audiobooks, it's time for audiobooks with Amir Khan. He, of course, is our audiobook worm, one of many, but this one returning at the end of each month. And we get into the reading highs and lows. The good, the bad, the ugly are bound to come out, as I say. And I'm very curious about today's books. The titles slash the theme, The Ninja, The Crowd Pleasers, and Mad Honey. So, Amr, you picked the quote for today's episode, and um, some may describe it as harsh, definitely very direct, but that's the kind of session we're going to have today, right? So we're bracing ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, this is not the fantasy soft sort of review <laughs> time today. Uh, I'm going to be kind of harsh. Uh, two of the books, The Ninja and The Crowd Pleasers, I picked up from the bestsellers list on the uh, Adolphin Easy Reader app through Sela. Um, I find it curious that a lot of the titles there seem to be from the 1980s or older or in that time frame. And the Ninja is from 1980, I believe, and the Crowd Pleasers is from 1978. So both okay. of them are, are, are from that era. All three of the books that I'll talk about today are what I call involved books. Um, they're all in and around the 20 hour mark. Uh, you really get to know the characters. So this is not one of those books where you don't feel involved in the book. You definitely feel involved. You get to know the characters very, very well. Um, and, you know, we'll take it from there. Yeah. Uh, also, trigger warnings, right, for these books? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, all three have uh, trigger warnings. If you're, if you're sensitive to almost anything, then these three books are not for you. Okay. Uh, Mad Honey is probably the, um, the lightest on the scale for that, but there is violence against women in that. Uh, there's some domestic abuse uh, themes in there too. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, definitely not for, for sensitive or, or children, any of these three books. The first two books are actually a lot heavier on the triggers. There's all sorts of things that we wouldn't consider acceptable in today's societies, especially with Me Too movements, uh, especially in terms of the romance and especially in terms of uh, all kinds of violence and torture in the first two books. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, the first one we're starting with was published in 1980. 
Yeah, the ninja. So uh, I thought this would be action and adventure. And, you know, I was looking forward to ninja and some action sequences and basically an action movie in a book format. Uh, that is not this book. Um, Sorry, this wait, book, pause there. Where did you get the impression? Just because of the title? Just because oh, of the title. Oh, big mistake. I thought the ninja okay. and right. let's see where it goes. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, somewhat <laughs> surprised. Okay. But uh, yeah, um, considering the other titles I was looking at in the bestseller, I'm like, okay, this one jumped out at me. Let's see what this is. Especially when I looked at the date. I'm like, okay, this is not some redone trope type of book. It, it's probably either the a trendsetter for this type of genre or something that's completely different. So I wanted to give it a try. Um, the book is, like I said earlier, uh, better part of 20 hours. And Goodreads puts it at 3.9 as a rating, which is very high in Goodreads parlance. But I, I would I would give it a two and a half. Mm. Um, Barely <laughs> a pass. Oh, no. Yeah, this is not one of those books I would recommend to anybody, and I truly don't understand why it would be on a best-selling list. Um, like I said earlier, you do get to know the characters really, really well, but there's a lot of continuity issues. Um, the entire premise for the whole revenge theme doesn't make any sense, even at the end. Um, what it does have going for it in a lot of ways is the uh, the cultural aspects of Japan, um, so the book is is set in in two time frames. One is basically his parents' time frame, and one is his own in the 1980s. And he's about 30, I believe. Um, so his parents were uh, went through the Second World War in the South Pacific, and you get all this cultural context about Bushido and Japanese culture uh, before and after the Second World War. And there's some really great storytelling in in the. Uh, in the book, but there's a lot of things that that don't make sense. There's a lot of uh, characters which are are there, which are are really three dimensional, but just get murdered for no reason. Um, the romance scenes are also somewhat uh, sketchy and don't make any sense. So th- there's a lot in the book that if if you're the type of person that needs the book to make sense in terms of a storyline from start to finish, you you are not gonna like this. Who book. doesn't want that? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, some books are designed that way. I mean, the Starless Sea, it's, it's an abstract concept. I guess. Really, very, okay, really very good example, yeah. Um, but but for this kind of book, it's and, and sometimes you can suspend your, you know, reality and, you know, like a James Bond book or something and be like, okay, yeah, I know this isn't real, but it's still fun. Um, but the, the, <laughs> the magnitude of the continuity editors here are just... Uh, just crazy. I mean, um, the entire premise of, of brother against brother and revenge in this book is based on the fact that his stepbrother and him had a training match, which he won when they were 16. Hmm. And fast forward another, tw- you know, whatever, 10, 15 years when they're all in their 30s and this guy is basically killing all his friends. And you're like, wait, because of a training match? <laughs> what, right, what's going on? Right. Like, I don't understand. Okay, so it but, was kind of, I feel the the background itself was flimsy to to anchor the whole story and the really disappointing part is that you don't actually know that until the end oh so the the entire book you're wondering what is the underlying cause of all this mayhem Mm. and you're expecting some sort of profound deal and then you come to know it's this okay um i'm still very much surprised that you picked the book in the first place to read and then finished it 
Yeah, but but this is the interesting part. The book has so many different aspects and goes in so many different directions, right? You not only have a brother against brother theme, not only you have this revenge theme, there's concept of ESP or extra uh, sensory perception uh, that they bring in. They bring in the whole concept of Japanese culture in terms, in terms of Bushido and ninja and uh, ninjutsu and, and these types of things. There's themes that just go in, in all kinds of directions in mm. terms of... Um, the book starts with the main character quitting his marketing job. So right there, you have a huge question mark. Like, wait, this guy's a ninja, but he's a marketing executive that yep. doesn't want to do marketing anymore? Like, what is... So you're, you're sitting there scratching your head about, about all these things, but... Um, and you mentioned yeah. several of these things, right? What was it that really impacted your rating on this book? The continuity pieces. Okay. Um, re- really, I mean, continuity pieces and the justification for the entire book, right? Okay. And th- I think that's what really sealed it in the end. I mean, you had a lot of this action going on. You had this very, very serious and dark tones through the book. And to have it all sort of boil down to... He lost a training match to his, you know, stepbrother back in the day. Just, you know, and you have these other themes of, you know, people coming back from the dead or people who you thought were dead or not dead and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. So, And conceptually, it's hard to just pull at good moments in a book to uh, really say, OK, yeah, this book was kind of worth it. As you said, it, really, would you recommend this book to somebody else? And if the answer is a hard no, then there was nothing oh, no. driving you to continue. And yet you no. finished a book because you're a completionist, because we've talked about that. <laughs> I am a completionist. And I think the only person I would recommend this book to is somebody who was really interested in Japanese culture, mm. uh, that they really wanted to know a little bit more about Bushido and was into the ninjutsu sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that kept me going about this book is that there is an element of suspense and unpredictability. This okay. book was not predictable in the least. <laughs> because so of the going, lack of continuity. Even if continuity. you don't like it, you're like, well, it's gonna... <laughs> That's the <laughs> not silver just lining. because of the lack of uh, continuity. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, you have some really fantastic characters, and unfortunately, the author seems to have a habit of killing them. And you're like, wait, I wanted him oh, in the next no. book. but uh, oh. And this is a series, by the way. Um, so Oh, this is just am... the beginning. <laughs> just For the Amir. first book. <laughs> we'll come back after uh, part two and three. Okay, well, let's let's move on to uh, the crowd pleasers because we we know you're not going to read the sequel to this first one. I actually might. Really? Um, not not in the way I usually read a book, but uh, in starts and stops, maybe. Okay. All right. uh, like I said, the author is very unpredictable, so I'm curious where on earth he would take the the um, the book next, mm. um, and hopefully there's less continuity errors. And I think that's my general reading style. Is that I'm, I'm a true optimist. Um, yes. And that translates to this next book that we're going to talk about, which is The Crowd Pleasers by Rosemary Rogers. And Published 1978 for this one. 1978. This is also a book that makes absolutely no sense, which I... <laughs> <laughs> from this is the real theme of today's convo, by the way. <laughs> almost. The third book has a, has a lot more hope. Okay. Um, again, I, I think Goodreads is being very generous with its overall rating. I, I'd give it probably the same two and a half I would have given the ninja. Um, I, again, I'm an, I'm an optimist when I read a book. Um, and the parts that I found really interesting from this particular book were that the author seems to have a good grasp of, of romance and, and how to how to have that, how to write that and, and have the reader interested in it. So the way I look at this book is it's trying to do three things and it doesn't do them all that well. Uh, it's trying to be a romance book. It's trying to be a glamour book and it's trying to be a 
spy slash espionage book. Um, the espionage part is probably the worst part of this book because there are so many parties that are running around and there's almost no description of who they are, what they are, or what they stand for. Even at the end, you're like, you have a barely a glimpse of what it, of what, <laughs> which side who is on, hmm. um, which is, I mean, as a reader, you're trying to figure that out in your head and then not to have that completion at the end is just like, okay, well, I guess I wasn't supposed to figure that part out, I guess. Um, it is an involved book. So, you know, again, predictability wise, uh, this is another book, which is not predictable. It starts off with, uh, a rich housewife for all intents and purposes who doesn't want to be one anymore, uh, and ends up traveling the world and then decides to do some modeling and then decides, uh, and then gets hired as a actress. And the, the book is laid out in an interesting sense because each sort of section of the book is, is sort of the, a chapter in a play. Um, so, you know, one chapter is curtain call and one cap chapter is whatever. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting in that, in that regard. Um, but yeah, this, yeah, I mean, if you're squeamish about romantic scenes, neither the ninja nor this book is for you. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, this, yeah, the, the descriptions are, are plentiful. Um, but again, going back to my sort of being an optimist of reading, I, you know, I saw something in the author where I'm like, you know what, I think this author would be a great romance writer. And I wonder what other kind of books she's got because she is a best-selling author. So let's see what else she's got in the, in the mix. Um, and one of the thoughts I had was that, you know, the way she's describing the time and place, I think that, you know, something like a historical romance would be something up her alley. And lo and behold, there is a, a book by her named Sapphire, which I'm currently reading, um, which is set in sort of Victorian England. And it's fantastic. I'm really enjoying uh, reading this book. Um, yeah, for, for people who are blind or partially sighted, the, the thing she does particularly well is descriptions of pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. So in this particular book, you know, you ha have descriptions of the plates, even the patterns on the plates that people are eating out of the hairstyles, you know, the clothes, the streets, like she does a great job of, of bringing all those things to life. So you talked about the descriptions being plentiful. And I, I think specifically about romance and think people are very easygoing about romance. I mean, obviously, if you're all the time reading romance and you'll say this is a great one, this is not a great one for whatever personal reasons. But I feel like romance is one of the genres you can kind of go anywhere with and still make it readable, popular, whatever. Um, maybe that's just my ignorance, but it, it, can it be that a book of romance was made so badly or what was it about this book that it is hard to pass it? Yeah. Hard to pass. I, 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 like I said, I think it's because it's trying to be three things that yeah. weren't being done particularly well. I mean, you know, the glamour part of it was was described and, you know, you, you get to know the character very well. But in terms of action and predictability, it's just like you, you don't know where you're going to go or why you're going where you're going with, with this character. Um, and things happen a little bit too suddenly for, for realism to be there. I mean, maybe it was real in 1978, certainly not, not real now, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, to the point where, you know, somebody sneaking into a theater and then somebody else is doing something else, you know, like, it's just, there's, there's a lot that's sort of coincidental, which you're like, well, yeah. You know. And even then, like, you know, you talk about it being romance plus this plus that. I, I still feel like that could be done reasonably well. Usually romance is a sub 
category. Uh, exactly. Of, I mean, right? and that's what's the, the disappointing part about both yeah. these two books is that they had the right ingredients to be excellent books, or at least passable, recommendationable, um, if I can use that word. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't. It's just, you know, uh, especially this book drag, the pacing is so slow. Um, and just, just random things keep happening where you're like, okay, where is this going exactly? Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes the suspense is a little bit too much for, for the plot. Sure. So oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's not the, tasteful. Most okay. of the book takes place where she's doing this movie on an island um, uh, at a mansion. And, you know, there's this underlying theme of, oh, we're here, but we're not here just to shoot the movie. And that's for, like, three quarters of the book. And you actually don't know what the heck they're actually doing. Oh, my <laughs> And if it's what they actually describe, again, it's a letdown because it's like, no, it can't be just that, can it? Mm. So it's not yeah. uh, it, the ratio doesn't add up. Yeah, very similar like to the, the ninja, where it's like, yeah, well, yeah. you have this massive thing going on, but it's because of this small little thing. Right. This exactly. Please explain. Okay, we, yeah. we got to talk about the third one because please tell me this is a, a happier, better review. Mad Honey. Definitely. I actually would rate this higher than what Goodreads has. Okay. Um, I'd probably rate it at this about four and a half, five. Okay. And this um, is by Jody Picoult? J Jody Picoult and Jennifer Feeney Boyan. Okay. It's a co-authored book. Um, it's, I hate to give things away, but that's, this is the way they describe the book. In any case, um, the book is about trans um, folks. Um, so... It, it, the, the basic premise of the story is that there's a beekeeping mother uh, who has a teenage son and the son finds his girlfriend um, dead and is false and is sorry, uh, is accused of the murder. Hmm. And uh, basically, you know, uh, I won't describe too much as to how everything unfolds, but uh, there's a trial, um, trans and, and what trans people are and, and what their rights might or might not be are also uh, explored in this. Uh, the human narration is absolutely fantastic. They have different voices for the different people. Uh, they feel very real. Um, just to give an idea of time concept, uh, this was published in 2022. So it's very, very new. Um, it's being talked about a lot. I actually came across this particular book because uh, the book club, uh, Amr's Evening Book Club, a lot of the members had read it and said it was fantastic. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me give it a try. Um, mm. And it was just as good as everybody was um, making it out to be. A real pleasure to read. Um, both the authors are sort of writer's writers, uh, as I like to oh, call yeah. them. yeah. So, you know, classically sort of educated um, uh, in English majors and things like that. So there's tons of references to literary works and things, but, um, you know, you don't have to get all the references uh, to enjoy the book. Jodie Picoult, uh, the few books that I did read by her and then <laughs> cheatingly watching movies that were uh, based off of the books by her, uh, absolutely mm -hmm. incredible plot, plot twists, just the concepts. You know, she'll take a situation and um, write around it and it's gorgeously done. So I can only imagine how incredible this book is just based on the premise just based on the premise and there's an afterward section where both the authors talk about the book. Apparently the book was started because one of them had a dream that they were working with the other Ooh, yeah. on this oh particular plot line. <laughs> so really? a little bit of uh, an interest there. Um, another interesting part is that they both took on the voice of one person in the book. Um, so, and they decided to switch off one chapter 
Okay. So uh, apparently at the end of the the exercise, they couldn't even tell which chapter they actually switched off because <laughs> they were <laughs> reading and writing their, each other's uh, work so um, with so much synergy. Yeah. Amrit, this is awesome. I mean, the reviews were unfortunately not all raving, but that's totally fine. We can have candid discussions about books on the show. And I appreciate all the the choices and your encouraging uh, ways of being able to finish these books, regardless of the ratings or the title. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, you know, it's part of the book reading experience. Right? Yeah, sometimes yeah. they're they're great, sometimes they're not. And I always like to try to at least find something that you liked about the book. Um, yeah. So Optimist life. Absolutely. Yeah, I have at least uh, 60 books that I started and haven't finished and they're just sitting there and I think I could do it. I could have an Amir moment. Mm, not yet. Haven't found it. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you next month. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Amir Khan joins us at the end of the month on the show and then following him, we chat with our friends from Sila and that's going to be the next episode where we discuss book club is going to be a good one i'm ramia amadin the host of ami audiobook review with technical producer nisreen abdel majid and until next time happy audiobook listening Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.